The Convergence Radio Show is proudly brought to you by Unity Earth. We are an organization that brings together the rich legacy of the Interspiritual Network with the team at OneGod.com, World Weavers, Uday Festival, and the Convergence Academy. Our vision is simple, to promote the cause of planetary consciousness. One planet, one human family. We collaborate with an intercultural web of inspired individuals and organizations globally to enhance this emerging planetary paradigm. Go to www.unity.earth for more information and to get connected. Hello and welcome to the second series of the Convergence Radio Show. My name is Ben Bowler from Unity Earth and we are delighted to be bringing you this series. Over the last 12 months, there continues to be a tremendous upswing in groups and organizations who are working for peace, sustainability, and global unity, and who are now finding each other and initiating innovative and inspirational ways of collaboration. We see this interwoven work as the gestation period of an emerging world unity movement, and it's growing stronger and more vibrant and more alive every day. After the great success of Series 1, the first 13 episodes of this Convergence radio show, we felt both compelled and excited to continue the conversation with thought leaders, pioneers, activists, artists, entrepreneurs and visionaries who are all powerfully participating in this emerging global act of creation. The need for global unity, planetary consciousness, has never been more urgent and never been more possible as we inspire and encourage one another on our personal journeys of waking up and growing up. This then drives the collective waking up and growing up that we need. The time really is now. Together, all together, we continue to fuel the fire and this momentous build-up on the road to 2020 towards a more unified, peaceful and sustainable planet. Now, over to our chief instigator and your series host, the one and only Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thanks, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Convergence radio series. We're so happy to be greeting our listening audience here again on Unity.Earth Convergence Radio on Voice America. So welcome. We begin our new series today with a special broadcast of the September 21st, 11 Days of Global Unity International Day of Peace message by Deepak Chopra, Karen Gore, and Kabir Segal. So we're pleased to have with us today Rick Ulfik, founder of We the World and the We Campaign at We.net. He's the co-creator of 11 Days of Global Unity, and we'll introduce today's dialogue with Deepak Chopra, Karen Gore, and Kabir Segal, which he is moderating. It is the closing session of the 11 Days of Global Unity Telesummit produced by the Shift Network in partnership with We the World. And we also have with us Jeff Vanderklude of the Convergence Team. Jeff represents another wave in the global peace work going on today. He's working with us and Shift's Summer of Peace Director, Philip Helmich, to also bring you later this fall the peace messes of James O'Dea and Deborah Moldauer of the evolutionary leaders at the Convergence's recent event in Crestone, Colorado. So welcome to both Rick and Jeff. 
Now, before we go to Rick to introduce today's feature program with Deepak, Karena, and Kabir, Jeff, can you say a few words about the work that we've been sharing with Avon Madison, David Kirschbaum, and others in the UN community's platform for the emergence of a culture of peace, about which the Convergence will be releasing several videos soon? Thanks, Kurt. Yes, PeaceWork today forms a broad landscape, and I'm happy to be here to highlight the pioneering work of the Culture of Peace Initiative and Pathways to Peace, which are two of our collaborators at unity.earth. We will be posting a web feature and companion video about Pathways and the Culture of Peace Initiative at the webpage for this Voice America episode. You can find that at onegod.com slash convergence. That's numeral onegod.com forward slash convergence, all lowercase, or... Just scroll down to the banner with the prominent photos of Deepak Chopra and Karina Gore, who will join us on the program in a moment. Pathways to Peace is one of the pioneering NGOs that played a vital role in establishing the United Nations International Day of Peace, also known as Peace Day, and the field of peace building. Pathways is a leader in the worldwide focus on accelerating the development of a culture of peace. The organization is ably led by, among others, our dear colleague, Avon Madison. The Culture of Peace Initiative is a cooperative local-to-global peace-building initiative. The annual highlight of the Culture of Peace Initiative is Peace Day, which we celebrate today. So, please go to the Voice America Convergence webpage for a video discussion with Avon Kurt Philip Helmick, who is Director of Peace at the Shift Network, and David Kirschbaum of the Platform for the Emergence of a Culture of Peace at the UN. Do take a look and enjoy the presentation. Great. Thanks so much, Jeff. So, Rick, now I think we're ready for you to tell us a bit about the show that we're about to hear with Deepak Chopra, Karena Gore, and Kabir Segal. We're going to play that in its entirety, and we'll let your closing with Deepak, Karena, and Kabir be the closing for our show, and then Voice America will sign off. So, Rick, tell us about what we're about to hear. Well, thank you, Kurt. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Listeners are in for a treat today. It's a rare circumstance for Deepak Chopra to be in conversation with Karina Gore. In fact, I think it may be the first time ever. And what is bringing them together? 11 Days of Global Unity, which goes from September 11th to the International Day of Peace on September 21st. 11 Days is a, a worldwide convergence, and I use that word intentionally on this radio show. It is a convergence of events, festivals, campaigns, broadcasts, linking local awareness and action activities into an international movement for peace, justice, sustainability, and transformation. 11 Days of Global Unity was launched in 2004 by We the World and our allies, including... Amnesty International, Pathways to Peace, United Religions Initiative, World Peace Prayer Society, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Jane Goodall, Deepak Chopra, Robert Thurman, and many others. Today, when new social, political, and environmental challenges come to light, seemingly every day, if we want a livable future, then we believe a strategic collaborative plan is needed for large-scale coalition building, collective action, and the promotion of we thinking that prioritizes the well-being of all people and the entire interdependent web of life. 
11 Days of Global Unity and the 11 Campaigns for Change provide a powerful platform to carry out this plan. For several years now, We the World and the Shift Network have produced the 11 Days of Global Unity Telesummit every September, featuring the most visionary thinkers and activists on the planet. Now let's hear the latest of these summit dialogues with Deepak Chopra, Karina Gore, and Kabir Segal. Welcome to the Summer of Peace, a free global online event featuring leading peace builders sharing effective methods for taking inspired action and co-creating a new peace narrative. 11 Days of Global Unity is produced by the Shift Network in partnership with We the World. This event brings together brilliant changemakers making meaningful progress on critical issues, including interdependence, economic justice, human rights, and peace. We're grateful you're here. Please share this event with your friends and family. Plus, join us on Facebook at The Shift Network. And now your host, Rick Olfick, founder of We the World and the We Campaign. Welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us today. To reach me, Rick Olfick, and find out more about 11 Days of Global Unity, We the World, and the We Campaign, you can go to we.net. Today, for the culmination of 11 Days of Global Unity on the UN International Day of Peace, September 21st, we have a very special dialogue. And I want to thank Kurt Johnson and his Unity.Earth Convergence team for helping to organize this. We will be discussing the 11 Days of Global Unity theme, Peace, with three extraordinary people. Deepak Chopra, Karena Gore, and Kabir Segal. Deepak Chopra, MD, and fellow of the American College of Physicians, is founder of the Chopra Foundation and co-founder of the Chopra Center for Well-Being. <clears throat> the author of more than 85 books, including numerous New York Times bestsellers, he is a world-renowned pioneer in integrative medicine and personal transformation. And I'm happy to say that Deepak Chopra is also an advisory board member of We the World. Welcome to the 11 Days of Global Unity Summit, Deepak Chopra. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rick. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you. Karina Gore is director of the Center for Earth Ethics and is the eldest daughter of former U.S. Vice President Al Gore and Tipper Gore. She is an attorney, advocate, writer, educator, author of Lighting the Way, Nine Women Who Changed Modern America. And in June, <clears throat> in June 2016, Karina was among 23 protesters who were arrested for demonstrating at the construction site of the Spectra Pipeline in Boston. Welcome to the 11 Days of Global Unity Summit, Karina Gore. Thank you. You're very welcome. <clears throat> Kabir Segal is an American author, composer, producer, Navy officer, military veteran, investment banker, and financial executive 
who is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of five books. He has also won two Grammy Awards and a Latin Grammy Award as a record producer and is the co-author with Deepak Chopra and Paul Avgarinos of Home, where everyone is welcome. Poems and songs inspired by American immigrants. Welcome to the 11 Days of Global Unity Summit, Kabir Segal. Thank you, Rick. It's my pleasure to be here. It's fabulous to have you all. Okay, let's jump right in. On September 21st, as we celebrate the International Day of Peace and the culmination of 11 Days of Global Unity, the question is, is promoting unity important now in order for America and the world to have peace? Is it possible to have unity without having an external crisis or threat that brings people together? And given the social and political tensions we've seen in America and elsewhere, how can we move towards creating a culture of peace and nonviolence? Let's start with Karenna Gore. Karenna, you and your organization, the Center for Earth Ethics, have been involved with protecting people and the planet regarding environmental issues such as climate disruption, oil and gas extraction, fossil fuel pipeline construction, and that kind of thing with huge budget cuts to the EPA and the U.S. pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, the environment has become yet another flashpoint issue in our society, like immigration, healthcare, and white nationalism. Do you think our society can move towards unity, at least regarding the environment? And please tell us about your work and the organization the Center for Earth Ethics. Well, thank you so much, Rick. And I want to say first what an honor and pleasure it is to share this conversation with Kabir and Deepak and yourself. I think that absolutely on all the issues that you named, it is possible and essential that we move towards unity. I think as far as environment and ecology are concerned, uh, we need look no further than the things that do unite all of us as human beings. That is, we all breathe air, we all drink water, and we all share and get our life from the life-giving force that is this, this planet that we share as home. So I think that in terms of, of looking for an external adversary in order to, to find unity, um, we have one in our own mistaken assumptions. Uh, we, any assumption that human beings are completely separate and disconnected from the natural world, um, it's actually quite a deep assumption. And, and many of us um, hold it even, even when we're in this work and need to always be reminded. So I think we can look at those deep assumptions, question them. Um, we can also work towards unmasking the violence that is done that we take for granted as part of our way of life. Uh, the extraction and burning of fossil fuels still does provide 80% of the world's energy. And yet we know that it is disrupting our weather system uh, and this, this, this planet um, has a very thin shell of atmosphere that 
we need to take care of. So we need to start to see the violence that we're doing by digging and burning these fossil fuels. Of course, there are other planetary boundaries that are being crossed with the production and consumption cycles that uh, create so much waste. Um, this happens in terms of industrial runoff into fresh waters, streams, rivers, lakes, oceans. Um, and we need to start to really see that for what it is and, uh, and work hard in civic engagement to make sure that we are, we are making ourselves, through our elected representatives, uh, accountable to that. I work at the Center for Earth Ethics at Union Theological Seminary. And um, we are working together to do that. We have three ways that we work. Uh, we work in education, in public discourse, and in movement building. And it's really essential that we work also to see the intersectionality with all of these other issues, that when we are viewing the earth, all these other living beings and the air and water that we depend on as, as objects that can be exploited and destroyed at our own will, we will no longer belong together on this earth when we treat other people that way, when we see them that way, no matter what perspective we're coming from, we're also losing ourselves. So I'm very happy to be part of this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. And it's, and it's fabulous that you said that the, the, the uh, common threat that we, we all face is our assumption of separation. Um, and uh, I, uh, so let's, let's go to Deepak and, and talk about uh, this as, as well. Uh, Deepak, given the social and political polarization we have recently, do you think we can create unity in society? Um, and given what, what Karenna just said, do you, do you agree with her that that, that is the, the common threat that we all face, uh, uh, our, our separation and separation from ourselves and, and from nature in, in general. Um, the question I have also is if we can't bring people together, um, how can people really have inner peace without having a peaceful society? Uh, maybe you can talk a bit about that. And also what can we each do emotionally and spiritually to deal with the divisiveness and disunity that we see currently around us. So first of all, uh, I want to say that it's great to be back here reconnecting with Karena after all these years. I've been a big fan of the family of Al Gore uh, going back a long time and his very strong uh, fact-finding um, mission for all these decades now about uh, uh, climate change and uh, I also want to say that Karana has been a great champion of this and bringing a new generation to this conversation. I think what has happened is that um, because of the political polarization, um, there's uh, an emotional disconnect um, uh, on even the facts and the facts don't convince people. Uh, and one of the problems is uh, that science has not addressed a deeper spiritual issue that um, Karena brought up. You know, we all breathe the same air. The air is literally our breath. Um, the trees are our lungs. Um, the rivers and waters are our circulation. And the earth uh, recycles as our flesh and, and our bones. And ultimately the carbon, hydrogen, 
circulating in our bodies is um, uh, star stuff. We come from the galaxies. So, you know, we and the universe are inseparable. Somehow, that's why, in a sense, even the word environment is probably a little alienating. We have a personal body. We have a universal body. And they're both equally ours. And um, if we don't take care of um, the universal body, which recycles as our personal body, then we are doomed. And uh, one of the things that has become very clear in the last few years in uh, biological sciences is that 95% of all chronic illness, 95% of all chronic illness is directly or indirectly uh, connected uh, to inflammation in the body. You can measure this inflammation in the circulation. You can look at the microbiome, which is 2 million genes in our body, and you can see it's inflamed. You can see that um, inflammatory markers are very high in, in our systems. And um, then you can see that this inflammation, which is also climate change, global warming, um, the destruction of the ecosystem, the extinction of species, now risking our own extinction with uh, mechanized death and modern capacities and ancient tribal polarizations. This is a time where we are at a crossroads. If we don't um, listen to what people like Karena are saying or people who are um, uh, you know, uh, campaigning for a healthier environment, we don't listen to that. Uh, we, we could probably risk our extinction. The last extinction was 65 million years ago when a meteorite fell on planet Earth and dinosaurs were wiped out. Well, uh, we came along as the next species. But now we are the species that has become the biggest predator on this planet. We are pillaging and raping Mother Earth. We're killing other species. We're killing ourselves. We're killing each other. And um, we may be risking the next extinction. It's not going to be because of a meteorite falling on Earth. It'll be human activity. So um, uh, climate change, environment, uh, global warming, sustainability, biological sustainability, war, terrorism, extinction of species, uh, poison in our food chain as a result of the pollution, they're all interrelated. To create peace, you need social justice, you need economic justice, you need to understand the context in which war and terrorism arises and the fear that is um, uh, propagated by demagogic uh, leadership all across the world, and now including our own country, who would have thought this would have happened in the United States, but it's happening. So to achieve peace and social and economic justice and get a sustainable um, world, we have to look at the whole picture. And that is everything that we do, how we treat each other, the food we eat, the stress that we in, uh, create for ourselves and for others, and um, the fact that, um, uh, as Einstein said, no problem can be solved at the level of consciousness in which the problem was first created anyway. So 
So we have to elevate this conversation and we have to start with ourselves. So when you say, can we be unified or can we come together? First of all, we have to stop being angry peace activists. We have to be the change we want to see in the world. We have to um, bring sustainability in our homes, in our habits, and we have to get together. I think when a critical mass of people get together, and they are the examples of the change that you want to see in the world, as in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, then uh, with all the social media we have, with all the educational institutions we have, with all the science we have, and with all the people who want to leave a better world for their children and their grandchildren, um, we, have the, we have the means to, to bring about a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, uh, one of the things that has occurred to me is that maybe climate change, climate disruption, and the mass extinction of uh, species may be the highest priorities that humanity has. The problem is that we've been so distracted with other things, you know, having to do with our own interactions, you know, intolerance, poverty, war, militarism. So they're all, they're all connected. It's all connected. Exactly. So um, Kabir, let's bring you into the conversation. Do you want to add anything to this? And, and please tell us about the amazing project that you are collaborating with Deepak on called Home Where Everyone is Welcome, which is right. directly applicable to what we're talking about now, since it's celebrating American immigrants and immigration is one of those flashpoint issues in our society. How is home where everyone is welcome, welcome helping to create a, a culture of peace and nonviolence? Right, well, all the things we're talking about, about you know, creating unity in the, the, the title of your, of your conference, that's really uh, the nugget of that is get, creating empathy. And how do we uh, create more empathy? Uh, you can do that through you know, facts and figures, but we think art is a great way of doing it and being spiritual activists. And so what we did is we took one of the more controversial issues of the day, uh, immigration, and we decided to use meditation music um, and kind of introduce uh, a very musical element to this idea of immigration. And so, you know, going back to what Deepak's saying about all the geographical, uh, ge geological and uh, environmental problems that we may, may be facing, increasingly we're, there's gonna be environmental refugees, there's gonna be people uh, moving from one border across the border to another country. More people live outside their country today than in, ever in human history. So we created this project called HOME, I'll show it to you, H-O-M-E, HOME, where everyone is welcome, poems and songs inspired by American immigrants. And it comes with a CD, which goes into a CD player. You can also get a digital uh, uh, iTunes version of it. And every single poem, we took uh, you know immigrants that people know a lot about, like Albert Einstein or Celia Cruz. Um, and we also took some immigrants that people may not know that much about. Uh, like my father came from India at a very young age and swept floors in a, in a Goodyear tire factory. And he moved up to really embody the American dream. And, and Deepak wrote a story about his father and our colleague uh, Paul Abdurinos wrote a poem about his father. So 
it's just a way of enlarging empathy because, you know, when you read poetry, it activates the same part of your brain as music. And we want to show people that, look, you can get angry at what's going on, or you can create something, hopefully a beauty. And the other thing that's beautiful, I've got to tell you, is this is the first time that Deepak is singing on an album. Wow. And, yeah, and he has a very beautiful um, tenor timbre. And so the album begins with him singing home, right? And he says, oh, that's Deepak singing home. And he plays the drums and the percussion. So it's a very interdisciplinary uh, project. And we hope you like it. That sounds fabulous. And, um, and Deepak, do you want to add anything about home? Uh, how did you come to do this project? Well, ever since I was a kid, I knew that poetry was a way to get to the soul. You know, when you uh, clothe facts with uh, music and poetry, then you give facts a soul. People don't listen to facts. Uh, you can talk about them till you're blue in the face. But when you take the same facts and then you um, uh, articulate them in a way that spoke, speaks to the heart and the soul, then people listen and they remember. You know, you remember all the emotional moments in your life and you even remember facts that were connected to feelings in your heart or in your gut. So I think um, uh, now that we are engaging in this conversation, immigration is of course a big issue. The wall is a metaphor, you know, when there are no walls in, in, on our planet, as Karina said earlier. Um, and if there were walls, they, they should be on the internet to block firewalls. <laughs> firewalls. Yeah. Um, because those are right now the walls that people invade and breach. So um, this is a very important project for us. But I'm thinking that, you know, uh, Karina, um, as we move forward um, on issues that are so dear to your heart, environment and climate change, uh, perhaps uh, a music project is on the way there too. <laughs> Well, that's very, uh, that's, that's an exciting thought. I definitely look forward to, to listening to this and, and seeing this wonderful creation. It, it sounds, it sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Go ahead. No, I, I, unless you have a question. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, um, uh, let's talk about the power of collective awareness and action. My organization, We the World, and our We campaign are working to achieve unprecedented cooperation and coordination between transformative grassroots groups and movements to address society's major challenges that are being discussed during this telesummit. The idea is that collective awareness and action can help foster a cultural shift towards we consciousness that values the common good so that the needs and the well-being of all people and the entire web of life are valued and prioritized, uh, going from individual attitudes to government policies and priorities. So, Karina, what is the role of movements? You mentioned before that that's part of one of the core um, uh, activities of uh, the Center for Earth Ethics. So, for you, what is the role of movements uh, in creating peace and sustainability. Do you think it's possible 
to build a transformative ongoing movement of movements through platforms like the We Campaign and others to um, address climate disruption and the mass extinction of species while creating a cultural shift towards this kind of we consciousness and the common good. Uh, well, thank you. I, I am very moved to reflect on the word we, and um, particularly at this time in our nation when we face such a, a challenge in uh, the state of our political discourse. I think it's significant that the Constitution begins with we, we the people, um, in the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And I, at the time, um, to begin such a, a document was not so common uh, because there, what was happening in creating this country, in forging this democracy, uh, was the hope really was in that small d democratic spirit of out of many one. And part of, um, I'm, I'm very interested and intrigued by this wonderful project Home, in part because I think it's really important that um, we realize in this time of sort of mass production, consumption, consumerism, where a lot of the social fabric has been kind of taken over by those forces, advertising, media. I mean, when we're talking about building platforms for a movement, we also have to look at what's already out there, which is sort of overwhelming and I think gives a lot of people some anxiety. Um, one of the things that strikes me about the, the Home Project is to, to remind people that we create our own culture, that culture comes from families and communities and ancient traditions, that it's not something that we need to rely on Hollywood or corporate America or anybody to just sell us as a product. Uh, and so I think that one thing about, um, about the movement is to be true to the ground up grassroots um, identity of we, we the people, um, to recognize that um, all over this country is so much talent, so much ancient wisdom that is more powerful, I would say, than new technology. But through new technology, we have the chance to capture and enjoy it all together. I think movements um, are very important in, in, in all of these areas. I think uh, you can see with the climate movement that there have been people from frontline communities who are experiencing the immediate effects of pollution. So those that uh, live near um, coal-fired power plants where they themselves suffer from the asthma, uh, cancer rates, um, and, and other health effects that come directly from the extraction and burning of fossil fuels. The leadership that they provide in this movement is very important because eventually, when it comes to the weather systems and the impact of all this, it affects all of us. It's a real metaphor for um, the kind of world and existence that we're in. It, eventually, it will affect the whole if it affects one. And of course, we remember Martin Luther King in Justice Anywhere as a Threat to Justice Everywhere, the in inescapable network of mutuality. I think that's a great description for climate change. Uh, I agree that listing facts and figures, as compelling as they are, um, is, is not the same as, as feeling in, in your something touch your soul that you know is your deepest truth. And in movements where it is led by people who are not, they're not um, doing it out of a messaging campaign, out of a professional position, out of a top-down um, desire to, uh, to write a platform, but rather just growing out of their own personal experience. All of those people coming together, as they did in the People's Climate March, um, 
creates a kind of groundswell. And uh, I think now we do have the benefit. I want to thank uh, Deepak for his kind words about my father. Um, he has also an exciting uh, um, thing to share in his in the movie, The Inconvenient Sequel. I would encourage folks to go see that if they want to get a picture of where his work now is in the climate movement, and also a, a view of what it was like to come together in Paris to create that treaty in December 2015, that agreement um, that is still so alive, because despite the fact that President Trump has declared the U.S. withdrawn from that treaty, it is so strong because of the movement that was built, because of long, hard work in many communities. So cities, corporations, um, all of these are, are parts of a bigger movement. So it can't be broken as easily when it is truly a popular movement. Oh, definitely. And I'm glad that you are interested in focusing on the idea of we, too. Um, if you go to we.net, you'll see the images at the top they don't just show all kinds of people. They also they also show dolphins and uh, lions and ecosystems. So it's like this expanded concept of we. And I think uh, inspired by Deepak, uh, that could go to the entire universe since we are all the stuff of we're made of the stuff of stars, as as Deepak was saying. Um, so Rick, they, yes. these days there's a lot of talk among systems thinkers, systems biologists about something, uh, the phenomenon of emergence. Uh, emergence is the creation of something that never existed before. And um, um, to bring about the we emergence, what you need is an understanding of systems thinking. And that says that when you have a diversity of people in a movement, so it's environmentalists, scientists, humanitarians, artists, storytellers, poets, philosophers, musicians, maximum diversity in not only profession, but even multiculturalism, ethnicity, which is the idea behind the album Home, and because we dedicated this album to immigrants from all parts of the world who created America, what we know as modern America, is uh, uh, created by immigrants and now we are fearing immigrants. But when you have maximum diversity, when you have a shared vision, when you have emotional and spiritual bonding, when you have an open and transparent system which is now through these networks, social networks, and through media, your VNet is an example, then um, emergence will happen spontaneously because we are all committed to something bigger than ourselves. And that was the idea behind the immigration um, movement that we want to start. But it's the idea behind uh, the interconnectivity of not only all of us as a human species, but our connection to other species and ultimately our connection to a living planet. Exactly, like uh, Gaia, the concept. So um, Kabir, any thoughts about the role of movement building on your end to, to raise public awareness and take collective action for peace, sustainability and transformation? Do you explicitly connect your project home uh, with the immigration movement? And, and also, do you think we'll ever have a culture of peace and nonviolence in this country and in the world? 
Good question. I mean, to your last question, I think we can get, we, be, we can become more peaceful and live more harmoniously, uh, for sure, um, and live in a place where we're respecting each other with, uh, for our differences and because of our differences. But there is something to be said for having uh, differences, because those differences is what keeps us strong. And, uh, you know, the first type of currency in this world is energy. And if you look all throughout the natural kingdom, um, organisms are involved in symbiotic relationships that rely on each other for different special specializations. And so we need to make sure America remains culturally and cognitively very strong. Because someone from another part of the world can come to America and sure they can become part of our melting pot, but they can also retain their ethnicities and their way of looking at something and enrich or come up with a solution. Um, and you know, I have a history in, history in, in finance. And when you look at, for example, you know, the businesses in America, immigrants make up about 11% historically of our population, but they make up a huge proportion, about a quarter of the new startups are immigrants, right? People forget that 40% of the Fortune 500 are created by immigrants or first-generation Americans. These are companies we all know. Apple Computers, Steve Jobs, his uh, biological father is from Syria, right? Wow. Uh, Sergey Brin, Google, uh, his, uh, he came from, from what was then the Soviet Union, McDonald's. His family came from Poland. So 3.5 million people in America work at corporations that have been started by immigrants. And that's why in our book, Home, we wrote a lot of poetry inspired by uh, different business people. Because we want people to realize these are the employers, these are the job creators in our society. In fact, the, the poem we wrote about um, Sergey Brin is composed exclusively in computer code to sort of drive home the, po the point of code poetry that people are writing poems all the time that just happen to be in computer code. Yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you. So uh, Deepak, you have shown the power of collective awareness and action by doing a series of global meditations that broke the Guinness Book of Records with hundreds of thousands of people meditating simultaneously. Can you see building on that kind of mindful meditation movement to, to create healing connection and greater unity in our society and and specifically how can the transformation of human consciousness lead to a culture of peace and nonviolence? well i think uh, you know meditation is a way of quietening the mind and when the mind is quiet inner energies wake up and bring about transformation uh, you're right, we've now taught over 6 million people online meditation with Oprah's help and other um, uh, collaborations. So meditation is a good way to bring people to their common source because despite our conditioned mind, the source of mind is is common. You know, so when we go beyond our cultural, economic and tribal conditioning or ethnic conditioning, or historical conditioning or economic conditioning, you end up in a place uh, of consciousness, which is common to all. We're kind of little rivulets from a common source of consciousness. And, and that's why meditation is so powerful. Uh, it, the album Home is in a, in a way a musical and poetic meditation as well. So um, that was part of the idea behind the project how do you cool down the inflamed world right now? It's not only 
climate change. People are inflamed, their brains are inflamed, their bodies are inflamed, and their actions are inflammatory. As long as we behave in a way that's inflammatory, um, which is anger, hostility, the opposite of peace, we will wreak havoc not only on our own well-being, but on the well-being of uh, others and of other people, but also on the well-being of uh, society and ultimately the planet. Exactly. So, Karena, as we wind up, what is the primary message you want each person listening to this to take away from this discussion that can help them improve their lives and, of course, the, the world? And, and please tell people how they can connect with you to support your efforts. Well, thank you. Uh, first, to, to connect with me and find out about the work that we're doing at Center for Earth Ethics, please go to our website, which is centerforearthethics.org. We're based in New York City at Union Theological Seminary, so you can also find us through the Union Theological Seminary uh, website. And I think the main message I would say is that I, I, I feel that um, it's time for us to work harder at our, our democracy, at engaging on a civic level. And um, for those who are, are feeling the, the suffering of a, a society that doesn't value everyone equally, that um, is measuring its success only in terms of monetary wealth, no matter how inequitable, no matter what the destructive means um, to such precious things as air and water, um, that it's time to come together in our democracy to try to change it. Because uh, it's, I, I, the system is very imperfect and it can be a real turnoff. I mean, I certainly have felt that way. Um, and yet, uh, we're in a situation now where um, we need to be calling um, Scott Pruitt at the EPA and writing letters to the Secretary of Interior, Ryan Zinke, saying don't um, give up the public lands for mining and drilling. Um, these kinds of comments and actions can make a difference. Also voting and, and really understanding um, and, and, and making accountable the elected representatives on every single level. I think that's really important. It, um, it is, it's time to do that because it can make a real difference. And some of these laws and policies uh, can, are, are really very extreme right now, very destructive on a level that we haven't seen. So the, the amount of industrial waste that can go into your local streams and waterways um, could increase greatly. Uh, and I think we just need to be very cognizant and very vigilant about that right now. Um, so at Center for Earth Ethics, we do things um, to engage people in, um, in the faith community. We have a very broad definition of what that means. Um, but we do trainings for, for ministers who are interested in understanding uh, the, the levels of public policy as well as the science. Um, and we do other work like that, uh, very respectful of grassroots community-led change. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I just wanted to add one other thing, which is that, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about extinction and I was happy that it was raised in the way it was. And, and the, this is indeed uh, supposedly the, the sixth great extinction. Unlike past events, 99% of the species threatened now, so almost all of them, are threatened by human activity. And that's 
not only the warming temperatures, but it's also the loss of habitat. And, uh, and we know that's in the oceans as well. And so I think the other thing I would ask is that we start to really open our eyes, not only to people, to human beings, but also to all of these other, um, all these other living beings that we share the planet with, because not only do they have intrinsic beauty and value, but we're connected to them in ways that we do not even understand in terms of how the trees are cared for and the air and the water. So just, um, just to, to be cognizant of that as well, we do, we do talk about people when we mean we, but I think that we also have a broader understanding of we as life on earth. Right, and when I say we, I always mean beyond, not just people. Sometimes people say, oh, your organization is we the people, right? And I say, no, no, it's we the world. It's not just people. <laughs> so, sentient beings. Mm. Yes, and, and the systems that support sentient beings, uh, I would say as well. Um, Kabir, what message do you want people to take away from this? Just to, uh, you know, you don't get angry or hate, just um, get creative and express yourself and be part of this global conversation, which you're, you know, chairing and, and your organization is doing a beautiful job at, at facilitating this conversation. Um, and, you know, you can check out our website as well, home-everyone-welcome, home-everyone-welcome.com. Hear the music, read the poems, and, uh, you know, send us your poetry. We'd love to read it and hear more about your family history and learn about your immigrant experience and how that can be part of uh, our solutions. That's fabulous. Thank you. And uh, Deepak, if you can do some kind of reflection or uh, meditation for peace on, on the, uh, for the International Day of Peace. What I'd like uh, everyone who's listening to this, and meditation is done with the eyes closed anyway, so you don't need to see me, okay. is to put your awareness in your heart and mentally ask the question, what kind of world do I want to live in? What kind of world do I want to leave uh, for my children and their children? And if you ask the question in silence and you put your attention in your heart, you will inevitably see images and feelings will be evoked and thoughts will come to you. And then you should ask yourself, uh, what can I do personally uh, to participate in that transformation. So that would be my meditation for everyone who's listening to us today. Put your awareness in your heart and ask yourself, what kind of world, what kind of America, what kind of world do I want to live in? And uh, what kind of world do I want to leave behind for my children and their children? And what can I do about it? And then listen to what your heart says. Um, be responsive to sensations, images, feelings, and thoughts that spontaneously arise. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Deepak. And do check out our album, Home, uh, yeah. on iTunes or anywhere else, um, and on online bookstores as well. Thank you, Karena, too, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, yes, thank you, and, and Kabir. Uh, thank you, Deepak Chopra, Karana Gore, and Kabir Segal. I also want to thank the Shift Network team, and especially thank you all for listening. I hope you'll check out all the sessions of the 11 Days of Global Unity Telesummit. You can reach me, Rick Ulfick, and We the World 
by going to we.net. As Jonathan Granoff said, when we first launched the We campaign, let's expand we so much that there is no longer any them. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Summer of Peace, brought to you by the Shift Network. To learn more about our global community of people awakening to their divine humanity and taking inspired action, visit theshiftnetwork.com. To learn more about Summer of Peace, visit summerofpeace.net. You can also listen to past Summer of Peace recordings through the World Peace Library at worldpeacelibrary.com. Thank you again for joining us and for sharing this transformational peace-building wisdom with your friends and family. Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. Tragedies, democracy wakes up diseased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our major projects at Unity Earth and on the road to 2020 is the Uday Festivals. Uday is a spiritual music festival that brings together spiritual leaders, musicians, artists, and activists from around the world to celebrate the universal beauty of unity and diversity. We invite you to the upcoming Uday Festival in Ethiopia from January 31 to February 7, 2018. Join the merry band of peacemakers coming to this historic event as we visit the sacred sites of Lalibala, hold a major peace concert in Addis Ababa and journey down the Rift Valley together for a fundraiser on Bob Marley's birthday in Shashamani, home to the Rastafarian community. Go to udayfestival.org for more information. And now back to our series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson.